Hello, I'm Ricky. And I'm Joe, and this is Season 6, Episode 5 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It's slated to come out on April 24th, 2023. I got the year right that time. And uh, today we're going to be doing a coffee episode. So we're going to be talking about three ways that we made coffee. Um, So we're doing uh, cold brew, both hot and cold cold brew. So that seems like a misnomer, but essentially made cold brew, warmed it up um, after I made it. Uh, and but also had it cold uh, and then we've got Stumpton's and this is the coffee that we used for the cold brew and the pour over Stumpton's coffee roasters homestead coffee uh, which we're using for a pour over and cold brew like I said and then we have uh, uh, steeped coffee which is a California blend it's um, from uh, I don't even know who the coffee roaster is I guess steepedcoffee.com it looks like that's who the coffee roaster is so they you can make cold brew or warm brew we made a hot brew out of this and uh ricky's been sampling them while i've been babbling on so uh you can go ahead and and do that one man i'll keep talking i'm gonna take a sip of this cold brew coffee first okay that's a little weaker than i thought it was going to be it's still pretty flavorful though um, it is. I was going to say it is coffee water in the best way you can describe that. Yeah. Like, it's not like, oh, it was like watered down coffee. It's especially the cold I really like. It's just it is a, a coffee flavored water. And it's very refreshing. And it's got that nice kind of like coffee bitterness and acidity to it. It's good. Yeah. Now, the the war- the heated up cold brew, not so much. Uh, it no, kind of yeah, strips out some of the flavor. Uh, so I've had the experience where my cold brews, I like to warm them up, but I make them much stronger than this generally. Uh, this is like a really weak cold brew, and I don't know what I did wrong, so we'll have to revisit cold brew again at some point in time this um, this uh, podcast. Uh, but ultimately, the point that I'm making is the cold brew actually isn't bad weak. No, it's, it's not. Like it's very good. caramel flavor to it when it's cold that I like a whole lot. Yeah, I just like how refreshing it is. Yeah. Like, normally I drink coffee, even cold coffee, as like, this is a drink, it's got caffeine. I don't like to add a lot of stuff to it because even when I add a bunch, by the time I, maybe I should say it this way, by the time I add enough stuff to it that I really, really like it, mm-hmm. it is now so unhealthy for me, I shouldn't be drinking it. <laughs> you know? By the time I put all in the cream and the sugar, I like to put in my coffee some other spices like mm-hmm. cinnamon and nutmeg and stuff like that. It's at that point, it's like a 200-calorie drink, and yeah. I probably shouldn't be drinking that too yeah, like often. 30 grams of carbs, and 30 grams of those carbs are sugar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like as we, we've talked a couple times in the past, I keep like a, a one-gallon uh, spigot in the fridge for where I'll put like drinks like teas and stuff mm-hmm. like this. This cold brew coffee could definitely go in there. Yeah. That is a refreshing, just like coffee-flavored beverage. Now, I'll see if you feel the same way when we do it at its full strength. Mm-hmm. Um because uh, I don't think I've ever made cold brew for you before. We did do it one time previously, mm-hmm. but it it was the same thing. It's it, you said it was a little bit too weak, but yeah. I still liked it, and that's yeah. why I was interested in doing this episode because I liked it so much. Of when you did the little cold brew, uh, I think you had steeped it in tea bags. Well, no, that uh, yes, I did. Um, that was another experiment that was similar to this, but it was intended to be drank hot. It just had gotten cold. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was, I actually brewed it hot and it got cold. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, this is a completely different brewing process. Essentially, what you do is you grind your um, uh, coffee more uh, rough. It's mm-hmm. not as not as uh, fine grind. 
and then you uh, put it in, you know, like a tea bag or something, and you want about 100 grams to, um, I think, a pint or something like that. Okay. And I, I think I put 75 in there, or 60 or something. Gotcha. It just must not have been enough because um, it, it was a smaller amount. I was, mm-hmm. I, so I got my math wrong on that for this one. Uh, so this is actual cold brew. And cold brew generally doesn't have – it has acid and um, some other – you know, tannic qualities and some caramels and things like that, that you get out of these types of coffees, but it doesn't have all of the bitterness mm-hmm. of most of these coffees. Now, what did you think about the steeped coffee? It's steeped as well with the coaster, right? Yeah, steeped as well with the coaster. Okay. That's my second favorite. Okay. Um, that's now, that's a full strength coffee. That's got the acidity. It's got the bitterness, but it's not as kind of like extringent as some of the other ones that I taste in the lineup. Mm-hmm. So I got to say, you know, we, we kind of talked about before drip coffee is how I first ever made coffee because it was cheap and I was a poor college student. And then when I had money, I got away from that. And uh, I think at the same time I got a real coffee machine, mm-hmm. I started buying better quality coffee. And so I attributed that to, man, this is, yeah, there's a reason there's a machine for this. This is so much better than yeah. what I was doing. And now I'm maybe thinking maybe what I was doing the first time was a really good way to make coffee, you know, doing this. But I just was buying really bad coffee. Yep. So it, it, didn't, it didn't feel like it. So you're so we did pour over coffee today. You meant pour over coffee. Because pour drip coffee is what you do through a machine. Well, then I take it all back. <laughs> because the machine, I do like the the drip out of the machine better because this is the drip right here. The, right. No, none of these are drip coffee. Mm. None, none of these are drip. See now you've got me all confused. This is steeped. Okay. So the, steep. these were tea bags. This yeah, yeah, is okay, tea okay. Style. Yep, This yep. is cold brew, and this is pour over. Okay. Yes. So, to to put it back in the correct way now for everybody, <laughs> the steeped coffee in the tea bags is my second favorite. Mm-hmm. I have never tried to do that, but maybe I will start doing that because I really do like that, um, and I do like it a little bit better than the pour over, which is what I used to do in college. Yeah. Now, pour-over coffee is really good, um, but there's, like, we just did it straight, um, and the the coffee that I used is uh, a really good coffee to do pour-over, uh, but I'm kind of like you. I like to put a little bit of salt generally in mine mm-hmm. um, to reduce the acidity. I'll put some cinnamon or some clove in it to kind of bring up some of those spiced flavors, just because I like to play around with it. So sometimes I like pour-over coffee to be like kind of robust and everything like that. Um, sometimes I like it to be a little bit more acidic today out of all three of these, my favorite is the steeped, mm-hmm. the steeped coffee, the one that's done like a tea bag, uh, just straight without any cream, without any sugar, without adding any cinnamon, spice, salt, anything like that. And this is the, the fifth time I've had this. Cause I think there was five servings of it. I, I there was only one left Yeah, <laughs> and I just kind of like, inhaled that stuff um all the other times i had it now i really like it with some cream in it mm-hmm. two tablespoons of cream and um about uh 16 ounces of coffee which is about two cups i really dig the pour over coffee with a little bit of cream in it i think that's just like mm, chef's kiss yeah really it does change the mouthfeel yeah. and you know a little bit of fat and it does change the flavor mm-hmm. well it's um it 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 adds creaminess to it that um, you just don't get, so it feels less like you're having water. But I would drink this any day, just straight up, mm-hmm. no problem. Um, the cold brew, 
I don't like because it doesn't meet my standards and I feel like it wasn't as good of a like I didn't brew this as well as I could have yeah so I want to mulligan on that uh, and I'm just going to say for what it is I like to I'm going to experiment with different amounts of cold brew to see if I can re- reproduce the caramel taste but get more coffee yeah. and nuttiness into it also okay um, but I've had this in cold brew before and um, Stumpton's Brewers Homestead uh, and it's um, Holler Mountain. Those two coffees are really fantastic cold brews. Um, I I just love them. I wouldn't suggest you know doing an undermade cold brew and then um, making it and then heating it up. That just seems to kill the flavors. Yeah, the heating it up, it, it warm. It wasn't quite as nice. It's not bad, but. What I really like about the cold is how refreshing it is. Mm-hmm. And once you heat it up, you take away that refreshing part. Well, now, when it cools off, when it's piping hot, it's not, it's not nearly as good. But it, get, it brings back some of those flavors after you heat it up. Like, it's, still, it's got a little bit of that caramel flavor on the, mm-hmm. on the tail end now. So, um, I enjoy that. And the pour over, I think, is my second favorite out of these. Okay. Um, yeah, it definitely is. I just had another sip of it. Uh, I, it's so... The pour over has all the qualities that I would want the cold brew to have with more uh, bitterness and acidity, mm-hmm. which is what you would, I mean, you're just going to get a bit of that in anything that yeah, you do. Yeah, that's like just coffee. Bread. Yeah, it's just coffee. Um, I like a little bit of bitterness to balance out the stuff, but that's also why I like to put a little bit of cream in it because that makes, that makes it any coffee that I make a little bit more balanced in my mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this was a fun experiment. Um, you guys that are out there got to listen to us just rattle on about 10 minutes about coffee. I know that Ricky isn't as big of a coffee lover. So next time, uh, we're doing an episode that's all for Ricky about tea. Um, yeah. So, uh, but if you can get steeped coffee, that's the brand steeped and it's got like a little periscope on it. You should totally try that. It is absolutely worth it. Or if you can get some tea bags, um, like the type that you actually um, steep loose leaf tea in. You could try this on your own because we did something similar to this um, last year. We just didn't put enough coffee in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, that said, let's talk about our first topic <laughs> 10 minutes in. Tesla employees are sharing customer footage, and, you know, that's a privacy violation. Uh, have you researched that? Did you look into I, that? I did research that, and I see they have been accused of it. I don't think there's, they've been proven to be doing it yet, but it is certainly a concern. And I, I think we've maybe brought this up in the past. If we haven't, that really is one of my strong arguments for better privacy laws. Mm-hmm. Because you you can make whatever contract you want. As, as the company and just be saying like, okay, yeah, you know, um, your information company will never sell your information. We'll never do this. We'll never do that, which is fine. And they can intend to never do those things, but they still have your information if they get hacked mm-hmm. and there's nothing stopping a bad actor employee from just releasing stuff. Cause they've got access to it. Right. You know, it becomes a, like a trust me, bro situation. We promise we won't do it. And sure. They'll get in trouble if they do it, but that doesn't necessarily benefit you. If your social security number and things like that get leaked from, you know, your bank account, yeah, your bank's going to get in trouble. 
but that doesn't, you know, you as the person who's about to have their identity stolen, that does not help you, you yeah. know. Um, generally, even in class actions, you know, the banks pay a lot of money, but there's so many on top of them. You, the individual, do not ever get very much. So, like, you're still going to take that financial hit of having to now get, you know, identity protections and going through all that stuff, you know. So, you know, I don't know exactly what footage. None of the articles would commit to exactly what the footage from the Telsa or the the kind of car stuff was if it was like video footage of inside the car or it like was inside and outside the car okay. uh, so it de- it definitely did happen um mm-hmm. i i'll have to find the source that i have on that okay uh, I it was, just might have now gotten legal enough nobody wants to say it's happened it may, definitely may, happened maybe um the the reason i know that it definitely did happen is um some of the footage like actually got out oh and okay so like um one guy was naked um you know like near his he was like like in the middle of the night had to go out to his car he was naked mm-hmm. so he he went to the car and you know they have footage of him doing stuff like that yeah um, i think one of the footages was of a couple doing stuff mm-hmm. in their car um one was of something else but the, i mean like tesla has this footage because it helps them to do like you know um, security monitoring mm-hmm. and other things like that um, so there is a benefit to it, uh, but I agree with you. Um, as a person who has had to suffer through some um, privacy violations and um, had to suffer through, um, so I, I didn't commit the privacy violation. I had my identity stolen yeah. and some of my stuff taken um, illegally uh, in the past when I was much younger, before the information age um, you know, that we're in now. It was a, it, it was really difficult to recover from. It's not impossible. And I've done well without having, you know, great credit for a long, long time. Um, so, you know, you can, you can recover from it. It's not an unrecoverable thing, but it would have been a whole lot easier for me to have and yeah. do things if I hadn't have had that happen. So, um, and knowing our privacy laws, I mean, America does have some pretty strict laws around medical stuff and Mm -hmm. some other laws around certain privacy things and stuff like that. But when it comes to corporations, we just kind of slap them on the wrist. I mean, and globally we do that. Um, Google and um, Microsoft and Facebook have all been slapped with fines in different places in the EU. um, And they're like, $25,000 $25,000 or $25 million, like stuff that's a 1% or less than 1% of their revenue for a quarter. We're not talking yep. about a year, you know, and they're, they're just like, look, this, we can just build this fine into our operating costs mm-hmm. and we'll just keep doing the thing that we're getting fined for. Oh yeah. Especially for the people that like sell privacy information. It's like, Oh, did I get caught selling a piece of information I shouldn't have? Well, you know, I made 500 million selling all that data. I got fined a hundred million. That's worth it. Yeah, I still made four hundred million out of that. I mean, that's that's like twenty twenty percent. Uh, that would be a pretty significant hit. I think that I think one hundred million. Like if they got fined one hundred million, that mm-hmm. might actually make them stop because with their operating costs and everything, that might actually hit their bottom line. And a loss of that much in a quarter may like if they were paying five hundred million a year, mm-hmm. you know, that may and they're their total profit was 20 million 
that's uh, still you know twenty percent of their overall um, yeah. you know operating costs. That may hit their stock price too. But now, mm-hmm. if it was only a hundred thousand dollars for the entire year, and you know which is you know, yeah, it depends on how big the company is because, you know, I've, I've been keeping a close eye on financial stuff in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. for the past couple months. And, you know, you'll see these financial institutions that make, you know, tens of billions of dollars yeah. or hundreds of billions of dollars. And they'll go in and they'll fi- get fined for something that looks like a huge eye-opening amount, like $600 million. Yeah. It's like, man, that's a real fine. But then you sit down and be like, yeah, but they made... 15 billion off of that process that's exactly what I'm and it's saying. like yeah it's like yeah you find them what sounds like a lot of money like if you put in the news i find x company 600 million people say whoa that's a ton of money but when you look at how much money they made doing the thing they got fined for if it's if they got fined less than the money they made why would they not do it again yeah because they made money doing it yeah exactly you know? exactly that we're exactly saying the same mm-hmm. thing at that point um I, I just think that in, in this particular thing, it also impacts things like people, you know, there's, there's other things. Like people don't want people to see them in their most, or they don't want to spread around when they're vulnerable. And while nudity isn't like the worst thing that could happen, um, being nude can really, and that being spread out into the mm-hmm. internet, that can really affect people especially women women are mostly victimized mm-hmm. by these things but men too i mean that it's not like men don't get body shamed or have yep. like weird stuff we had this whole thing about arnold schwarzenegger when he hit 70 um started looking like a like a man that was 70 mm-hmm. and so people were like you know he looks like trash now he looks great for a man yeah, who's 70. 70 yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> he looks amazing what are you talking about? So, you know, we do this. Um, so talking about, um, you know, the, the, this sort of junk, um, that happens, these privacy violations, um, you know, that's, that, that just stinks. Yeah. It's all huge. the high heaven. Yeah. It's, it, it's just, it's terrible. Um, and, and I, I, I do, I agree. We need to have more accountability. There should be, um, you know, like maybe actual prison time for, um, you know, doing stuff like that, where not just the employee that committed the crime, but maybe the, um, the, uh, you know, CEO or something like that is, is held accountable for that stuff too. If they don't take certain steps to prevent that. Yeah. It, you know, in all like honesty, that. I agree with you there. I think that's the real thing we have to figure out because we let corporations run this very fine line where in many ways they are a business and entity. So how do do you throw somebody in jail for certain things? So like let's say Google gets hacked and they lose a ton of privacy data and it was their responsibility to keep it there. Well, you can go I guess, yeah, arrest the CEO, but did the CEO really have anything to do with that? Like, where's the responsibility? That's hard. But on the same time, we also let, like the way a lot of tax laws and things like that work, we get to treat companies almost like they're individuals. So they ride this line where they get the best of being a group, so it's hard to punish individual people in it. And they also then often get a lot of the best of being an individual entity. So we, we got to choose a lane here because you're right at a certain level, 
when all you can do is find people money, and there's often generally limits on how much you can find and things like that, it becomes ineffective. You either got to start saying, okay, look, you're a, you're a corporate entity. You don't have individual human protections. You're just an entity that makes money. Mm-hmm. So when you do something that's wrong, I can find you an amount of money that is more than what you made. Yeah. So if you did that thing that you made $500 million on, I'm going to find you, you know, $700 million. $700 million. Yep. yep. Now not only did you make no money doing it, you've lost money to the rest of your stuff. And there should be some sort of thing where the majority of that goes to the, like, by law, 70% mm-hmm. or 80% of that has to go to the fees for it could be no more than like 20%. And 70 or 80% of that fine has to go to the victims. Yeah, and there, there should be things like that. I've, like if you're fining someone apart from whatever legal you got to go through to actually be able to collect the fines, that should be going towards the pe- whatever other party was injured doing the thing. Yeah, exactly. Because hopefully you have those laws because you're trying to protect somebody from something. Yeah. So, you know. If that guy who walked out naked got leaked out on the internet and you go out and you find them, you know, however much money, he becomes one person. Uh, you, you leaked 10,000 people stuff. All 10,000 of those people get a little something back from yep. the fine. And not that it really necessarily helps them, but, you know, if we were finding enough that it was actually prohibitive, it probably would do a lot better than today. Yeah. Where what those people have to do is then go get a class action lawsuit. And let a bunch of lawyers go after them. The lawyers keep out 80%, and then 20% goes out to the people. And there's. Yeah, oftentimes you know, it's less than that once the court fees and everything are. The, the government and the lawyers make the money off that, not oh, the Oh, yeah, people. they do. And, you know, and so many people can jump on a class action, you know, because it's as simple as generally signing a form, you know. So it, the people that are most impacted don't necessarily get any more than just random guy who saw it on the news and said, oh, yeah, I guess I was affected by that. So, you know, you're right. There, there's a lot of things that have to be worked on there. And I think it, it, it does come from just we give companies the same protections we often give individuals at the same time, letting them not be accountable for things like jail time most of the time because it's hard to pin down a it is this person's fault. Now, in terms right. of the leaked stuff for, like, the cars, maybe they can get that down to a couple employees. You know, it's yeah. like it was that guy who put the, it up on the internet. The the problem but, with that is there are supposed to be uh, protections in place. Like, I mean, there's things like data masking and, um, you know, n- like having just limited access to stuff. Employees that don't need to have access to those things, administrators that don't need to have access to them, mm-hmm. should be restricted from having access to that data. They should be. And uh, I don't know, you know a little bit more about it than I mean. Was it somebody who shouldn't have had access to that system that was able to get it? Hold on a second. Okay. We're back. So you have to... Is there staff that got in there that shouldn't? Because that, that's then a different kind of an issue. That seems to be the case here. Okay. So so I, I looked it up. There's a Reuters article, Reuters, Reuters. I don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's pronounced Reuters. Um, but there's a Reuters article that talks about um, that workers from Tesla have come mm-hmm. out and said, yeah, we, we were accessing people's video. We, okay. were just, we were just able to willy-nilly see into gotcha. the the videos. We were able to spread them around. There was no sorts of digital rights management or anything like that. We can put stuff on textbooks that keep people from being able to download it. And we can't do that for a video. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> at, that, at that point, 
you know, you probably should still punish the people who actually put it up on the internet. Yeah. But yeah, that's a bigger company security problem. Now, I don't know that it actually got onto the internet. Um, I think they were just uh, passing it around internally. Um, okay. So, and that is probably where all the articles I read going with the uh, claim to be. Yeah. Because if they don't have, like, you know, it didn't make it to YouTube or yeah. something, they can't prove it. So there's a bunch of workers saying you can now, do it. Now, there are some people that claim to have the video. So I don't okay. know. So th- it may be, and just being all fair, the articles that I've read have said that it definitely happened. But I, in the information age that we live in today, you can't believe everything that's on the internet. So. I don't want to spread disinformation mm-hmm. or anything like that or defame someone. But if there are Tesla employees saying, hey, um, you know, we actually did this, that's a confession. And, you know, they're saying they did it themselves. Yeah. So, you know, what do you what do you do with that? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you know, so um, so that that's that's where I got this this from. And it specifically talks about um that uh, in the customer privacy notice, camera recordings are supposed to remain anonymous and not linked to your vehicle, but they are. Ooh, yeah, that's a rough yeah. one. Yeah, so they're not data masking. They're not doing any sort of digital rights management or um, you know least privilege management or anything like that that they mm-hmm. should be doing for this data. So Yeah, so I guess I'm even wondering a little bit about that policy. So they, they're saying they can get the video in, but not link it to your vehicle. Yep. Why are you recording me then? Yeah. Like if it's not so that if someone steals my car at 2 a.m., you can see who stole my car. Why do you care? Exactly. Exactly. What do you need this information for? Yeah. That's, I mean, like it makes sense to me why on the back end they can view the vehicle because I think that's the only time that's actually super useful. Yeah. Unless you're trying to data mine for something else, like what music people are listening to or what they're talking about. It's got eye tracking and all sorts of things like that. Now, supposedly it's to help with things like autopilot and improvements for things like Mm -hmm. autopilot. But uh, whether we're talking about automated, you know, being able to have level three driving automation or something like that. That this is not going to help with any of that if you're just passing information around, not protecting people's privacy, doing stuff like that. That's just going to make people not want to like have those features. They'll hack their car. They'll turn those things off. Mm-hmm. You know, the, most of the people that buy these things are technical people, anyways. Yeah, you know, and again, I think that's one of the things you got to be so careful about. Like, if you don't do your security right, that'll hurt any company. But when you're a company that deals so much with people in particular industries that understand those things better. Yeah. Like that, that's gotta be so much worse. Cause that's, you're, I mean, that's a good point. Like I know a couple of people with those cars, but all of them are like tech people. Yep. You know, they're in, if they're not tech, they're in some sort of like engineering ish, like STEM field. Yeah. So, I mean, if you push people enough, they'll, they'll quit using your product or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. um, that is one of the things we're probably going to talk about with like physical versus digital media later this, uh, this year i know we talk about that like about once a uh, uh it's, a, it's a good update it changes every year it doesn't though that's the problem <laughs> well i would say things continue to progress every yeah, year things continue to progress every year that's very true um so uh you know i, I don't have anything else to say about that i i'm probably never going to buy a tesla you know just because yeah, stuff like that's that, happening that's rough um Super Mario Brothers movie uh, breaks records at the box office. We were talking about uh, gaming and you know ROMs and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, you know, I own a Nintendo Switch. Switch. I own a Nintendo Switch. The Switch. No, now, well, now you're just turning into Mario. 
Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I love, you know, there's a lot of stuff from mm-hmm. Nintendo that's very nostalgic for me. I had that Game Boy Advance in the last episode. I, I really want to see this movie. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, so, yeah? No, I okay, haven't. Okay. Um, I, I was waiting because I was worried that it was going to be bad. So many people talked about mm-hmm, it being bad, mm-hmm. and I hate going to movie theaters. Yeah. I absolutely despise the... So, on a little tangent, the people that run like the entertainment industry in America, whether it's music, movies, anything like that, the executives and the people, they are so concerned about profit, and they think we need them, like they are mm-hmm. important, and that's just not true. You don't need music. You don't need art. You don't need movies. Um, aside from something that maybe is an instructional video on how to uh, do something that's life-saving. So YouTube has more value than any movie that has ever been made, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and so I don't want to spend my hard-earned money, especially as expensive as it is, on something like this unless I know it's going to be a good experience. Yeah, I think that's the hit. I will watch a bad movie at home and yep. enjoy just speaking to watch a bad movie. I don't want to go watch a bad movie in a theater. But here's the thing. I don't have a choice because I've got a five-year-old. <laughs> so that that's why I was first like, oh, you haven't seen it yet? I mean, you almost always see movies before I do. But I was like, oh, yeah, but because I had to see it day one yeah. because my kid was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> Mario go movie. Well, it's got Jack Black in it, too, and you know, I'm, I really enjoy that and guy's stuff. Look, so. I'm going to be honest with you. It's it's not a bad movie. Okay. I'm not going to say it's an amazing movie, but as a kid's movie, it's, it's, it's a pretty good kid's movie. But Jack Black is so good in that movie. Okay. I, that's what I, that's why I want to go see it. Because, mm-hmm. I, I mean, like I love to watch Jablinski games. I'm like most of his other comedy movies, you know, Tenacious D stuff is always mm-hmm. good. And then seeing them in concert is so, like, he's just such a big personality. Um that I really like the comedy of that. It's like seeing Alton Brown or the Mythbusters do mm-hmm. their show or something like that. There's just like a certain energy there that just, you know, puts a smile on my face. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I really want to see the movie now because it's, you know, Jack yeah, Black I mean, and he did a great job. <laughs> look, I, I don't remember if they showed it in the trailers, but I mean like Jack Black has songs. Like there are musical parts to this, this movie. I did not know that. And they are great. Okay. <laughs> I might be buying the soundtrack, too. I know well, I'll probably I'll, buy the like movie yeah, like, yeah. when it comes out. but yeah, there, There's not enough music, I think, to, to warrant a soundtrack purchase in terms of like what Jack Black does. But he's got a couple scenes where he's singing, and it's great. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I might still do it. Like, I mean, you can buy you know just individual songs and stuff like mm-hmm, that, too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I got the Encanto soundtrack just because I like three songs off of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but I guess, again, let me set that expectation. These are very short, yeah, like little musical things that are like specifically for kids and not. They are musical because there is music playing and he right. is singing. It is not, I would call a song. A song, okay, yeah, yeah. All right, I got you. Well, if it comes out on a soundtrack and it's like mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm. got those songs in it, I may, I may still buy. Yeah, it. It, it's good though. I do recommend, especially if you've got kids that want to go see it. It is one of the more tolerable kids movies that I've gone and watched. Okay. Uh, that's that's pretty good praise. Um, mm. I'm not expecting for it to be something like Akira or the the Avengers or something, something yeah, yeah. that I like go in and I'm like, oh, this is one of my favorite movies. Yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. It's it's not Toy Story. It's not some of the Disney movies. Yeah. But it is, you know, if I compare it to other movies I have had to watch uh, with a small child, like the Paw Patrol movie. You know, it, it's up it's there. Much better than that. Paw Patrol <laughs> movie sure. was actually not that bad. Not that but bad. I mean, it it was on par or maybe even a little bit better. 
especially if you as an adult have played a lot of the games they yeah. do do a good job of putting in like little easter eggs even from like really early games so like there are like easter egg things for the original marios and it goes in and there's um like the the character the little toad you see in all the trailers mm-hmm. is the like adventure toad from the game yeah and he has a lot of his lines from the games yeah and you know the other toads who are not the adventuring toads are not like that so like individual characters have like some personality that like lines up with how they are that's pretty awesome uh, you know i'm even gonna say i don't think the voice matches as well as it could but even seth rogan as donkey kong was pretty good okay that's pretty great <laughs> i mean i if there was a person that i could turn into donkey kong uh i would probably want a stoner who is really chill because mm. donkey kong's a giant monster of a thing that likes to throw barrels <laughs> when he's yeah, mad. <laughs> if, if they could have gotten seth rogan to do some sort of accent i yeah. think i would have liked it a little bit better but i mean he they, they pull off i think really most of the characters very well okay i know there was some concern about chris pratt being um you know mario and everything like that but you know yeah i i will say i was not excited about that going into it but at the same time the way the story kind of presents mm-hmm. everything it didn't pull me out like okay. once once you get past the first like five ten minutes you're used to it I think I think for me, um, one of the reasons I, I didn't really get worried about that, uh, you know, I, I was worried about the movie but not being great, but mm-hmm. I didn't, was Henry Cavill as The Witcher. Um, I really, like at the beginning, I was like, ah, you know, he, I guess he'll be better as The Witcher because he doesn't like to smile and he's always like kind of mm-hmm. gloomy and everything, but he was so passionate about that and he did such a good job of just portraying Geralt mm-hmm. um, that I felt like I got a not judge things like that based off of their performance in another movie that yeah. you know was also beloved to me you know so talking about man of steel mm-hmm. um not smiling as superman kind of makes it a little less superman mm-hmm. <laughs> you know but okay i get it and i think i think that's more of a director's like kind of thing yeah and i think i think the way they went about the movie helped it a lot in that regard because you're right i don't think anyone except for maybe jack black is really putting in a whole lot of emotion into the act but there's a lot of like bad things happening yeah you saw from the trailer just like bowser kind of going to war and and doing his stuff and like there's lots of like threats of death and things but it's it's treated almost like you would treat death in a video Video game. game it's a more casual like you know, no one's like, woo, I'm going to die now or anything. But like <laughs> at the same time, nobody is like, like bawling their eyes out. And like, you know, it's more like a cartoonish violence sort of thing. Okay. So them not being as strongly emotionally invested kind of makes sense in that regard. Okay. Well, so one other movie I wanted to talk about, the Dungeons and Dragons movie. Because, um, you know, there was that whole thing with Hasbro mm-hmm. and them like trying to monetize people. And I was like... I don't even know that I want to go see this movie. Um, but now that I've heard about it, um, and there was like, you know, that kind of change, I kind of feel like I can go see it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the change that I'm referring to is Hasbro and Wizards of the Coast reversed their decision to um, make D&D 1 into like this very closed source thing and like really hurt their community that has really held them up uh, because there was such a backlash and even some like legal stuff that came out of that um, where that pr- 
probably wasn't legal for them to do that anyways. So like being able to change that stuff and make make the they made the um, open gaming license even more open when it comes down to it. Um, I think that's that's reasonable. That, I mean, I still don't think they're the good guys or anything like that. I, mm-hmm. I'm not suddenly celebrating their awesomeness, but um, that does also lend a little bit more credibility to, okay, well, if they're not behaving bad, maybe I can go see this movie and it not be a problem. Yeah, and I kind of see it the same way. Like, you know, I've, I've boycotted lots of companies. Like, I don't play Blizzard stuff anymore. I don't play EA stuff. But that's because they keep kind of displaying bad behavior. Whereas, at least for now, as much as many people, including myself, think they will try and go back to this, mm-hmm. that is not something they are actively pursuing. Right. So, yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, I'm going to go see it. I'm actually going to go see it later today. Yeah, I was thinking my, about doing that, too. Yeah, because my wife has already seen it, and she loved it. Yeah. And she doesn't play D&D. Nope. So I feel like, as someone who does play D&D, I have the potential to like it even more. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be, like, really good at capturing the classes and some of the, like, inside jokes that people mm-hmm. that play D&D do. Uh, and it's like if the Marvel movies were a and d movie, gotcha. from what I understand, um, or a fantasy movie, mm-hmm. you know, which there are like, you know, fantasy Marvel characters. So I could see how they, yeah, yeah. how that would kind of work out. And I'm, I'm sold. That sounds like a good thing for me. So mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to, she convinced me to go down to the Cinnabowl because, uh, whatever it was, the, the tap house, whatever it's called. Uh, uh, the, the, um, the L house, the, no. the, uh, dinner and movie place. It's the Alamo something. Yeah, Alamo, Alamo yeah, yeah. Uh, Tap House. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. were they had a showing today, but it was too full. So okay. we're going to the, the Cine Bistro because she likes to... Now that she's got the opportunity and has had that taste of someone will bring me a mixed drink oh, to yeah. my seat, she doesn't want to give that up, which I, I don't blame her. I agree completely. Sitting down and watching Tetris. Okay, so there's another movie that you should go watch. Mm-hmm. Tetris. Really? Okay. Good. It is so good. Like, is that out now? Oh yeah. Okay. So, so it's a, it was an Apple Plus movie, but they're playing mm-hmm. it at the Alamo Draft House. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So um, we went and saw it with a friend of ours, and the, you know I got to have a burger, which was an okay burger. Mm-hmm. Um, the the food was pretty good for not not for what it cost. Pretty good, pretty good popcorn. Really like the popcorn. Great beer. So I got to have a great beer while I'm watching this hilarious real life story. Uh, now they fictionalize some of the events, in mm-hmm. it, but there's a lot of fun and hilarity, and it's fairly heartwarming. It's like if the Imitation Game, uh, the one that had um, uh, ben- Benjamin Cumberbatch, mm-hmm. that's, that's his name, right? Benjamin Cumberbatch, yeah, the, the guy that plays Smog and uh, Doctor Strange. Um, the that about Alan Turing, that movie, which was sad. <laughs> yeah, it's like if that had a happy ending. Okay. So I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was a pretty good, um, pretty good movie. I would suggest that one too. So I'm, I'm going to go see Dungeons and Dragons too. Um, there you go. Uh, and I'm kind of excited for Chris Pine as a bard. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, do you have anything else you want to say about that? No, just that I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I guess yeah, if you're interested in Super Mario, you haven't seen it. Uh, Ricky's thumbs up. All right. Cool. Well then. This has been Season 6, Episode 5 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.